0: Just a quick disclaimer before we get started, the information provided in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Sarah and I are not registered dietitians or doctors or anything like that, we're just two university students who are interested in these topics. Therefore, everything we talk about is through our own research and not through any professional qualification. We will be talking about plant-based diets today and we'll be touching on calorie tracking, macros and weight management. So if that's triggering to you, please do feel free to skip this episode. Please do not take this as medical advice and consult your own medical team for your own unique needs. I'd also like to apologize that the quality of this episode is not the greatest. We did have some technical difficulties, but the dis- discussion was interesting nonetheless. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. And actually, I did make a mistake in the episode in terms of my protein recommendations. I said Ginny Messina, a vegan dietitian, said to consume three cups of legumes. That was completely wrong. It's three servings. So if you get to that part and you're like, what? Don't be shocked. I just made a mistake. But let's get on to the episode. Welcome back to The Growth Medium, where we try to grow your mindset through giving you all sides of the discussion with a scientific lens. We're your co-hosts. I'm Mem. And I'm Sarah. And today we're talking about plant-based diets. So plant-based diet, diets have been
1: a, a really hot topic lately. And it's more recently that we begin to understand the whole concepts behind it and what they're all really about.
0: Yeah there's a lot of myths surrounding plant-based diets such as you know around not getting enough protein and things like that and we're going to be joined today by registered nutritionist Roberta Alessandrini to dispel some of these myths. Hello so, thank you for having me. <laughs> we're excited to have you on.
1: We're really excited to talk to you today uh, Roberta so it's can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes
2: uh Hi again, thank you for having me. And my name is Roberta Alessandrini and I'm a dietitian, a nutritionist and a researcher. Uh, I'm originally from Italy, but I've been in the UK for the last 10 years. Oh, wow. And At the moment, I'm doing a PhD at Queen Mary University.
0: Yeah, Roberta actually helped me with a university project last year. And we learned a lot through nutrition through that. And I didn't realize you actually did a master's here, didn't you? And it's the same master's that I'm thinking about applying to. Oh, Nutrition for Global Health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So you're currently doing your PhD at Queen Mary. What does that look like right now? Yes, at the moment uh, I am
2: doing a PhD. I am in the the final stage of my PhD in public health nutrition at Queen Mary University of London. And for those who don't know about uh, what a PhD involves, uh, this is a special training to become a researcher and it's not actually only research because a phd can lead you to many career paths but uh, the main the main path is research uh, so academic and academic career so um, my phd is about to end soon and it has been extremely interesting and stimulating period of my life because a phd involves lots of uh, independent work on a specific mm-hmm. project uh, mm-hmm. that focuses on a research question. So this involves uh, gathering all the knowledge on a particular topic and also running experiments uh, because what you want to do is to add knowledge to a particular area. And uh, during my PhD uh, student, my PhD, I had a lot of support from my supervisor and from my university because you meet regularly with your supervisors and with your other uh, research colleagues but also you attended lots of interesting courses at your university and yeah it has been a fantastic uh, time for me it's very nice to do a PhD and people say that it's uh, it, you still call a student while you do a PhD but it is actually more about a job because uh, you have a project to deliver you have deadlines you meet you with your you meet and discuss project uh, with your colleagues so it, Yes, I would say that it's more like a job.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you enjoyed your, your 10 he- years here in the UK or do you prefer Italy?
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I I really liked being in the UK. I've been on and off, so I've been away for two years and now I am back in Italy again because of the COVID, but uh, I really enjoyed oh, okay. being in the, in the UK and in London in particular because... Um, I just loved uh, meeting people from all around the world and from different so cultures, many. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. in Italy we don't have this, I come from a small town, so mm. uh, yeah. London is fantastic mm-hmm. for
1: this. Yeah, definitely, it's nice, you get to meet lots of pe- people. So you're interested in plant-based diets, how did you, how did you develop this interest?
2: Oh, it's a long journey. <laughs> it started a long time ago, actually, in 2014, when I was doing my master. So let's start by saying that I've always been interested in uh, food. And uh, about the, I was interested in the health impacts of food consumption. Uh, but I was also interested in food production.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: how food is produced. I've always been very curious about this. So while I've I've chosen to become a dietitian, so I've learned a lot about the effects of food on health. Um, I personally learned a lot about uh, food production. So this is something that I did in my own time. And yes, when I was at the, at my master, I've heard that um, lots of the greenhouse gases emission and lots of pollution comes from the food system. And in particular, Meat and dairy are responsible at the, the biggest polluter in the food system um, because they, their production requires a lot of water, a lot of land. Uh, it requires large use of fer- fertilizers and has got mm-hmm. a negative impact on biodiversity. So I was shocked when I found out that foods like meat and dairy that I grew up with and I was eating every day... Were so detrimental for the environment.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And at the same time, I found out that plant based foods, such as legumes or fruit, vegetables or grains, required much less resources for their production. And I thought that eating a plant based diet was a more sustainable and just way of eating, basically. But um, at the same time, I I learned about the ethical aspects uh, about eating meat, so I watched a lot of documentaries uh, such as Veg Educated or Dominion, and I've read books uh, such as Why We Love Dogs, Eat Pigs and Wear Cows by Dr. Melanie Joy, uh, or I've read books uh, such as Animal Liberation by Peter Singer, or Eating Animals, by Jonathan Safran Foer. Um, So I've learned a lot about the ethical dilemmas (laughs) of eating meat. All these documentaries and books show the terrible conditions in which animals are kept today in intensive farming systems and the huge amount of suffering that we humans, we inflict uh, to have cheap meat, eggs, dairy, and fish. So while, when I learned about all these facts, I didn't feel comfortable about uh, eating the way I used to do. And so I very gradually started reducing uh, my meat and dairy intake. So it was 2014 uh, and yeah, now I am 90, percent of the time vegan. And yeah, I, it was a very slow transition Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, giving up was not easy but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah this is how I learned about plant-based diet so I also learned uh, about plant-based diet at a professional level because um, I collaborate with some other researchers from all around Europe actually Mm -hmm. from all around the world it's a it's a global group focusing on nitrogen so nitrogen is a nutrient this is essential is essential for food system, for plant growth. Uh, We couldn't Mm. get food without nitrogen. But the problem is that we put too much nitrogen into the environment. And this uh, leads to enormous uh, pollution problems. And once again, uh, the the most important causes of nitrogen emissions are meat and dairy. So together with this group, we uh, wrote a report and we Uh, wrote some academic papers in which we say that, and we we did some experiments actually, in which we proved that uh, eating a diet with less uh, meat um, and producing less meat and dairy, it's uh, much better for human health and for the environment, especially from the nitrogen perspective. We also did something very interesting. Uh, So we launched an online petition to ask all researchers to organize vegan caterings Um, during the research meetings
1: okay how was that
2: it was nice we had uh, lots of signatures and yeah uh, we had I think uh, hundreds of people signing our petition and uh, yeah we hope that more and more people will decide to uh, choose a plant-based food at least during their work
1: yeah yeah it's often like a lifestyle change rather than like a diet, isn't it? Because it takes a long time, as you said. It took you a t- long time to transition. Uh...
2: You need to learn lots of new things. You need to learn about, I don't know, which new foods you need to buy. Or, for example, I don't know, you might want to stop buying things that are made out of leather or yeah. wool because these involve yeah. animal exploitation so mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot of time to learn yeah. all these new facts so for example if you want to i don't know uh, buy a product that is not tested on animals it's it's difficult to find this product but now more and more uh, manufacturers mm-hmm. are offering for example hair dye that yeah. is not tested on animals and these are and this is because people are asking for this
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's much more of a thing in the recent years where people are asking for more cruelty-free alternatives to popular products. And it's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. Um, Let's go on to the actual diet part a little bit. So according to Harvard Health, uh, plant-based diets can be quite varied. So there's vegetarian diets, which exclude meat, but they include things like eggs and uh, cheese, that type of thing. But then there's vegan diets, which uh, exclude all animal more products and you've touched on some of the reasons why uh you personally have gone vegan and it kind of can range from like health reasons to environmental reasons what are some of the other reasons that someone may want to become vegetarian or vegan
2: yeah uh well let's say that let's talk from the population perspective because Mm -hmm. i am not representative of everyone and everyone is different so um, i think the top motivation for people to switch to plant-based diets or to reduce meat intake, so to become flexitarian, which means mm. part-time vegetarian, part-time vegan, this is yeah. uh, wh- what it means, uh, is because of health. Uh, mm. So health is one of the top motivators because uh, meat intake can have some, uh, is detrimental, so red and processed meat consumption has got negative uh, impacts on health because it can raise the risk of colorectal cancer, uh, but also because, uh, I think lots of uh, investigations and documentaries are exposing the condition uh, in which um, meat is produced. And uh, these animals live in a very high hygienic, non-hygienic, uh, non-optimal condition. Mm-hmm. And there is a phenomenon happening in uh, intensive farm system, which is called uh, antibiotic resistance, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm to yeah this is another mo- motivation yeah. that leads people to choose a plant-based diet um but also because um people of course that are worried about the environment or uh, they're worried about animals they care about animals and they don't want to eat animals anymore mm-hmm. and yeah there is these are the top motivation and some people a very small proportion of the population find meat uh dirty and disgusting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this is
1: it's all about perspective isn't it
2: it's exactly it's all about mm-hmm. perspective and also for example um I don't know if you think about the um, covid uh situation, the COVID-19 is a zoonosis, so it's a disease that you can get from animals, and Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll see more and more of these uh, disease outbreaks in the future if we keep uh, farming animals the way we're doing today, Mm -hmm. and if we don't improve the health and conditions uh, of in which animals live, Yeah, yeah, we'll see more of this. Yeah. Uh, but actually, I want to say that uh, while people might take a personal decision, right, to become vegan or vegetarian or to become flexitarian, to reduce meat consumption in general, uh, we need to think that we are, all, we are all part of a society. So while vegans and vegetarians were a very small minority uh, in the population in the past, now we see that everyone is going plant-based and restaurants have a lot of plant-based options. Uh, If we go in supermarkets, we see uh, many, many meat alternatives and plant-based milks. So um, it's becoming easier. It's it's a change that's happening at the societal level Mm -hmm. uh, along with personal level. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming easier for everyone. So if you tell your friends that you all want to follow a more plant-based diet you, you, it will be easier people support you and yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a lot easier to cater to
2: exactly and it, it's uh i was looking at a research um, of a couple of days ago uh, that showed that for the first very first time in history uh those who eat meat without restrictions uh are for the first time, a minority or in the population. This, oh,
0: wow. this is these
2: are the results in Germany because uh, also in the UK, um, a lot of people, a big proportion of the population is trying to reduce their meat consumption. But in mm-hmm. Germany, it's most of the population.
1: That's interesting. So, so slowly, globally, will change into a more vegan uh, or vegetarian population rather than a meat. <laughs> consumer. Yeah, absolutely. I
2: think it's 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 really positive, it's uh, encouraging to see this uh, change and uh, I think the younger generation are, are driving this mm-hmm. uh, transition are really vocal about these issues and are uh, using their money to make uh, the more ethical choices.
0: yeah yeah
1: And people aren't really like cutting out animal foods, they're just trying to reduce it and um, so. Yeah, so as you said, slowly, slowly, a change is happening. So can you tell us like some of the benefits for reducing or cutting out our animal products?
2: Yeah, so before I talked about uh, the fact that uh, red and processed meat, um, so processed meat are products such as sausages, bacon or prosciutto, (laughs) or um, things like uh, beef, or lamb products such as burgers, they increase the risk of colorectal cancer. Mm -hmm. And the WHO in 2015 has clearly communicated uh, this risk uh, to everyone, to the population. And everyone is trying to follow the recommendation. They're trying to reduce uh, meat consumption for health reasons. But another important uh, and more immediate uh, benefit about reducing, especially Mm -hmm. dairy consumption, is that a lot of people are lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there is a very interesting Lancet uh, paper that shows that two thirds of the world population is lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. So we are eating or drinking something that uh, makes us feel uh, bloated and uh, Mm -hmm. gives us, uh, I don't know, pain and discomfort, um, of course, lactose intolerance happens uh, at different degrees. So some people are might be more, might digest well lactose, some people less. So it's um, mm-hmm. it's not black and white. So a lot of people are also switching to plant-based milks for, uh, for this, because it's just an easy switch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also because if we reduce... Uh, the amount of meat and dairy uh, in our diet, we need to increase uh, something else. So this something else in general, and should be, uh, fruit, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, uh, seeds, nuts. um, So these are all healthful foods um, that should be present in any diet, regardless of vegetarian, vegan, or everyone should be eating a lot of these foods because uh, these foods reduce the risk of uh, diabetes, obesity, obesity, uh, NCDs of cancer. So um, uh, this is one of the reason, one of the health benefits of switching to a more plant-based diet. It's actually um, interesting that to have all these benefits, we don't have to. We think that we have to be vegan, right, to mm-hmm. to become healthy and to have a healthy diet. But uh, we could actually transition to a flexitarian diet, a diet that Mm -hmm. has less uh, meat and dairy. And a group of leading researchers in the field of sustainable nutrition uh, developed the Eat Lancet diet, um, which is basically a flexitarian diet uh, that is based on fruit, vegetables, small amount of uh, meat and dairy. And uh, it involves consum- consuming a lot of nuts, for example, peanuts, which are also very cheap, unsalted peanuts, please, <laughs> um, <laughs> and some meat alternatives, uh, yeah, some soy products. And so these experts calculated that uh, if the entire world population would eat this flexitarian diet, everyone would live longer and have less uh, diet release, related disease. Um, but actually, mm-hmm. we could feed the future world population of ten million billion people oh, wow. um, uh, in a healthy, sustainable way uh, within the planet, natri- natural boundaries. So oh, wow. uh, even flexitarian diets are just uh, fantastic. We could all do yes. this
0: yeah I I myself I'm pl- trying to cut down on how much meat and dairy products I'm eating like I use plant-based milks um, usually and I'm trying to have more legumes more chickpeas that type of thing and I'm going on to like it's hard for me to cut out meat because it's such a big part of you know my culture but I'm trying to kind of replace that with meat alternatives and things like that but something like cheese cheese and ice cream is probably the hardest <laughs> for me and I don't know how you've on it as like cutting out cheese as italian
2: i know let's be hopeful because uh i'm not sure if you heard about cultured meat and cheese Mm. no so uh lots of researchers are trying to uh, create and produce meat and and dairy in the lab without the animal
0: yeah i've heard of the meat i haven't heard about um cheese how's do you know like do you know any progress on that yeah, it's, uh, I mean, at the moment there is, uh,
2: yeah, there is a lot of investment going mm-hmm. into this field uh, and this product should be available soon. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, quickly, how soon, uh, but uh, the progress is happening quite uh, quickly. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we could have cheese. And I even, I mean, you know, there is, I think there are some researchers, some, company started by these uh, female researchers who understand very well uh, the challenges of mothers um, Mm -hmm. and they've started this uh, company trying to uh, create, uh, so the the, the objective of this company is is trying to create uh, human milk into the lab and to scale up this production so that uh, children could be fed.
0: That's so interesting, I did not know that was happening. Yeah, no, it's lots
2: of it's happening. And uh, uh, yeah, look at the Good Food Institute in the US. Um, So they are, uh, this is an NGO that it's uh, trying to encourage all these uh, producers and
0: researchers to work in this field. Okay, I will definitely check it out. So naturally, when it comes to plant-based diets, they do need a little bit more planning because there's a restriction of certain foods, right? So things like protein tends to be a concern. Should protein be a concern for vegetarians and vegans? This is the classical
2: question. Mm-hmm. Any vegetarian or vegan would be asked at least once a day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, um, yes, um, There isn't any problem uh, in terms of uh, protein. Let me say that a vegan diet, especially a vegan diet, requires a little bit more planning. And the only nutrient that is lacking in this diet is vitamin B12. Mm -hmm. You can take supplements of vitamin B12. You can find them in any uh, store. Uh, I personally, uh, because I forget to take supplements, and I personally use um, toothpaste, which is fortified uh, with vitamin B12. Uh, This is a little bit more difficult to find, but for me it works perfectly because Mm -hmm. I don't have to remember to take the tablet. But many vegans take the tablet and it's part of their uh, habits, so Mm -hmm. no problem for this. So this is the only nutrient that vegans uh, and some vegetarians, some Guidelines uh, say that vegetarians should be also looking at the vitamin B12 intake, uh, should be, yeah. So, vitamin B12 is the only concern. But from the protein perspective, um, no, you shouldn't worry. <laughs> um, so, a vegetarian or vegan diet is unlikely to pose any risk in terms of uh, protein deficiency. Um, some time ago, I was, I, w- when was this, it was, this. It was uh, three years ago. I worked at the Joint Research Center of the European Commission. And together with my colleague, we gather um, gathered uh, data on protein intake in all the EU countries. And we found out that uh, in general, the whole population was consuming double of the amount of protein that they need.
1: Oh my so God. we all get
2: a lot of protein. We yeah. Prob- very prob- most probably we all eat double of the amount of protein uh, that we need um, and this is because protein is everywhere. It's not only in meat and dairy and fish and animal yeah. source foods uh, but things like pasta or bread have protein, legumes are very high in protein. Um, for example, 100 grams of dried pasta or bread have around 10 grams of protein, which is a lot if we Mm -hmm. consider that our protein intake ranges between 50 and 70 grams of protein per day. Um, So yeah, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't worry. Mm -hmm. And in terms of what we, the vegan and the vegetarian population, there is no evidence of protein deficiency uh, in vegans and vegetarians in Western countries. And this Mm. is because we have a varied diet. So, we don't eat only rice or wheat or or pasta. So, our diets are very, very varied. And this is also very important when people try to follow a flexitarian, a vegetarian, a vegan diet. They need to diversify the source of protein that they consume. So, it shouldn't be only pasta or rice or starchy products it should include also pulses we nuts are a fantastic source of protein and other nutrients and yeah we we can include more of those in our diet and also Mm. meat alternatives meat alternatives are becoming much more uh, available and we can get quite a lot of protein uh, from them
0: yeah I think when I was doing research for this episode one thing I saw was that sometimes lysine can be a bit of a concern lysine is an amino acid so um there is a registered dietitian a vegan registered dietitian her name is Janine Messina and she suggests that vegans should get a little bit more protein than non-vegans and should have about three cups of legumes a day to make sure that they hit the recommended levels of each amino acid but all of this will be on instagram we'll talk about it in an infographic and again references will all be in the show notes as well and three cups of like... legumes is quite a lot it is it is i saw three cups and i was like wait how <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned, concerned about the the
2: uh, intestinal health of uh, of people because it's uh, sometimes people find uh, digesting legumes uh, very difficult and, uh yeah because some people they can't digest properly legumes but um this is matter of habits people can um train the guts to digest better and better legumes and the tip is if you want to increase your legume intake the tip is to uh, start from a smaller legumes so start Mm -hmm. from lentils and Mm -hmm. to end up to the very big beans
1: do you have any favorite beans is it is there like a favorite dish of yours that includes legumes to give our listeners some ideas you know some dishes out there
2: oh legumes are fantastic i think uh so I love hummus. Oh, that's my favorite too. In Italy, we don't have hummus. So what I do, okay. um, I make my own hummus, which is so easy because mm. uh, I buy mm. my own chickpeas. I boil them. Uh, you need to soak them first, which is very, this is very important. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's um, but also uh, in Italy, we have a tradition of eating legumes with pasta. So we oh, have really? pasta and lentils pasta and peas uh, or yeah or pasta and beans is very popular and you can make a very creamy pasta dish because uh, it's it mimics a little bit that creamy consistency of cheese Mm -hmm. right so uh, these are my favorite dishes but hummus is my favorite and if I didn't go to London I wouldn't know about hummus
1: oh that would be a tragedy I love hummus myself I could eat it alone by itself (laughs) I really can have you tried making it yourself uh
0: no my mum has actually but not myself no <laughs> okay now there's one little thing that I did want to talk about um and it's generally about how the different types of vegan diets so there's one that I'm not necessarily like the biggest advocate for oh my god I'm gonna get grilled for saying that but in general like on social media and Instagram um there's quite a popular thing called fruitarianism and there's raw to raw to four diets as well. And that's generally when fruit makes up the majority of the diet and yeah, fruit basically makes up majority and this is kind of like a form of raw uh, veganism and raw veganism is just basically not cooking your food uh, beyond 118 degrees Fahrenheit and 48 degrees Celsius. So the problem that I... Mm. Oh, how do I word this in a politically correct way? It's not easy. <laughs> it's not such <laughs> <laughs> diet. It's it's really not. But I think what I've seen is there's some research that's been like, there's no clinical maximum for that. The people have uh, worked out for fruits. They're the healthiest thing in the world. If you only eat fruits, then you don't have to worry about protein deficiency, this deficiency, that deficiency. And I don't know, something about it just is like, not sitting right with me. I think they tend to forget that there's so much sugar
1: in fruits as well. So you do need to be careful of how much fruit you consume. But yeah. Actually,
0: the sugar
2: in fruit is very, not a type of sugar that we should be concerned about. It's okay. not free sugar. So it's sugar that comes into a matrix. It's, uh, it doesn't stick to our teeth. It's, uh, it's not so bad. But I, I worried about the fact that uh, these diets uh, are not very easy to follow. And mm-hmm. imagine you're out with friends or you are at your parents' house. Uh, it would be very socially very difficult to, I don't know, share a meal with other people. Uh, no. That involves only fruit, and to be honest, sometimes fruit in the UK is not. <laughs> it's not great. It's
0: not great. Uh, yeah, and it can be expensive because fruit can be expensive. But uh... yeah, I've seen a lot of like a lot of fruitarians on YouTube. They will say that when they became fruitarian, that's when they realized there's such a wide variety of fruits out there, which is true. Um, but like you said, Roberta, I think it's something that's quite hard to stick to and one problem that i do have and i will say this quite outright is the delivery of some of these messages on youtube and social media um there's a lot a lot of anecdotes there's no i don't think there's any empirical evidence but really the anecdotes should be upsetting enough that a lot of the vegan influencers who follow these diets have kind of fostered unhealthy relationships with food for a lot of people so there's things like eating disorders and stuff anecdotally that's been on the rise because of this and I just think that's so unfortunate. And I think it's something that should be treaded on really, really lightly. I don't think it's something that's specifically got to do with veganism necessarily. It's definitely not. But I think because it's kind of falls under the category, I did want to just mention that a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's... Um, oh my God, sometimes I think I'm so old. I'm not on Instagram and <laughs> I miss all of this and I don't see any of this and... Uh... Yeah, but uh, you're right. Some people might think that this is the this is a sustainable and the only uh, way of having a healthy diet, which is not true. Because uh, even when we talk about healthy diets in general, healthy diets can be uh, vegan diets. They can be diets which include meat and dairy and fish. You can have a range of diets, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't particularly think that uh, eating only fruit is the only way of mm-hmm. uh, being healthy and uh, getting any, anything you need from food. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, imagine imagine it's it's eating is also a joy and yeah. um, we don't have to forget that we should get lots of joy and excitement uh, from eating our favorite foods. And sometimes some of these, some of favorites food they we are attached to our food. We are very strongly attached to our traditional food culture. Mm -hmm. So um, for example, I'm very attached to the traditional Italian dishes and some uh, imagine if I couldn't eat pasta and beans if (laughs) I uh, had to become fruitarian.
0: Yeah. That that's a good point we a lot of our identity i think comes from the food culture that we grew up in and yeah it's just something that's really it's it's the whole social aspect of it it's the comforting aspect of it yeah but i think sarah you were telling me before that you <laughs> tried fruitarianism um
1: i wouldn't say i really tried fruitarianism. i tried a, a type for a couple of days i tried to go on a raw diet vegetable and fruit diet long story short it did not work out <laughs> i had to end up i ended. i ended up integrating um like you said you know all the different types of of food types that there are out there and i definitely don't advocate it don't get don't get
0: the wrong message <laughs> yeah 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 you know what variety is the spice of life <laughs> um okay so we talked about the health benefits a little bit social media pressures a little bit Let's go into environmental and animal welfare welfare. honestly, this is not something I know much about. Um what are the environmental and animal welfare benefits that would happen if everyone went vegan or vegetarian? and it's expensive
2: Oh the benefits the environmental benefits are huge um because um the livestock sector it's as I said, is one of the most polluting industries in the world and uh, Greenpeace ran an investigation and calculated very recently, this happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, so they calculated that uh, the livestock sector in the EU emits more greenhouse gases uh, than all the vans and cars in Europe put together. So imagine how polluting is, is this industry. And it's not only about the greenhouse gases emissions, but uh, for livestock production. So, for raising animals, you need to feed them. And this requires an enormous amount of fresh water, but also feed. Mm-hmm. And to get this feed, uh, you need to clear land from forest and to grow things like soya or other grains just to give it to the animals. So, yeah. Raising animals for food is a very inefficient way of eating. It's not efficient, and this is leading to terrible consequences for our planet. So scientists have estimated that if we don't stop producing all this meat, we will never meet the Paris targets for greenhouse gases emissions. So in other words, if we don't drastically uh, stop producing and consuming all this meat and dairy, uh, we will see the most catastrophic effects of climate breakdown sooner. So, we have absolutely act on this. Um, and the best way to start this revolution is to reduce the amount of meat and dairy we are consuming. We should all be like Greta Thunberg, right? She's. Uh, She's vegan and she's doing so many she's leading a, a lifestyle that it's very environmentally sustainable, but she's also doing great activism.
1: What do you think of the like the the organic farms that are out there? So they're more about sustainability and like less of damage to the environment. Do you still have the same opinion about those kind of oh, organic farming, farming is techniques? fantastic
2: because basically um, I'm not sure if you have you ever tried to grow fruit or vegetables or food in general?
1: We have in, a, in our garden, yes, yeah, some tomatoes and things.
2: So this is a very, uh, uh, I think it's good that people have a, this type of experience. Organic farming is fantastic because basically uh, it uh, involves reducing a, a lot of pesticides. It, it, it doesn't allow the use of um, pesticides and fertilizers you can put only um, a tiny bit so there are some regulation about it. but the problem is that you get less food for the same uh, say uh, meter of square meter of land. So this yeah. would be a problem if we had to feed a very big animals. population and you have to also consider that we don't have to feed only ourselves we have to be feed animals because we want meat
1: mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm.
2: won't be completely uh yeah this, this is fantastic but and we should be encouraging and buying organic as much as possible um but some some people say that this is not doable that the entire world cannot be fed on organic farming and it's expensive it's also expensive because it takes so much energy and effort to grow fruit and vegetables uh, only with without input Fertilizer, mm. pesticides, and yeah, mm. yeah, it's expensive. Okay. But you asked me also about animal welfare, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how, mu- how much into animal welfare are you, but um, yeah, let's talk about the effects of switching okay. to a vegan or vegetarian diets on animal welfare. So let's start by saying that every year, 150 billions of animals are slaughtered for food. So this is wow. a very big number. And most of the deaths occur in chicken and fish, just because they are the smaller animals. And sometimes we eat a plate full of fish, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, uh, maybe there are, I don't know, 10 fishes, uh, sorry, 10 fish into the, in our plates. And this is a problem also from the health perspective because uh, chicken and fish are also the healthier type of meat. But from the animal welfare, uh, probably one fish feeds only one person, right? But um, uh, if we reduce our consumption of animal source food, so if we became flexitarian or if we became vegetarian or vegan, in theory, we could re- reduce the demand for this product. And in, yeah, and in theory, we could save lives, animal lives. And um, there is a very um, nice online website of course, our website is always online. Um, mm-hmm. Called <laughs> the Vegan Calculator, um, which calculates uh, the animal lives saved, uh, considering for and this consider for how long you've been vegetarian. So let's say you've been vegetarian or vegan. I think it goes only with vegan. You've been vegan for two years, and I don't know, you saved, I don't know thousand animal lives and this is very motivating and it makes you feel that Mm. your choices do have an impact on on animals but also i think this is becoming more clearer more and more that farm animals suffer terrible abuse and cruelty and whenever appropriate i invite everyone to watch documentaries uh, about the issue for example there is um a very nice youtube video i'm not sure if you ever heard about it's called dairy it's scary no, I haven't. it's a five minute no. video and the author is erin janus and uh the me- video has six million views so it's uh, it's quite popular and in five minutes explains what's wrong from the animal welfare perspective with the dairy industry and it it's, uh, can be a little bit uh, shocking to watch, but uh, this basically says that uh, animal, farmed animals, as our pets, feel pain, thirst, fear. They feel distress. Um, sometimes they, feel, they live all their life in cramped uh, spaces. They cannot stretch their legs. Uh, mm-hmm. They are separated from their uh, offspring, or they are separated from their mothers as soon as they are born. Um, of course, there are farmers who care about the well-being of the animals, but this is not the norm, because nowadays, most of the dairy and the meat we consume, but also the fish, comes from intensive farming systems. And I would say that if everyone reduced their meat uh, intake and became, or became vegan, that would send a strong message to governments, to the food industry, and to the whole society. Yeah. And... Yeah, we all have, have the power to make changes in this world, right? And um, yeah. sometimes we just need to do it without feeling too much judgment. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we because if, at the end of the day we do it something that it's right for our health. If we ate a little bit more pulses and less meat would be good for our health, good for the environment, and good for the animals.
0: Yeah. I think I think one thing that's quite important when it comes to this is feeling that connection with the farm animals because i feel like we always we, we like i think it's become more common knowledge that there is um intensive farming practices but because people don't feel a connection with a cow or a sheep that they uh, the same level they do with like a dog for example they don't really care i think there was this controversy um with a tesco advert i'm not sure if you guys um saw it there was um it was a little girl who was saying that she doesn't want to eat animals anymore and there was a whole controversy around that and one um farmer was saying that i can't remember exactly what he said but something about they invite people to come onto the farm and build a connection with um their animals and all that and then he went on great uh, morning britain wait was it great morning britain i can't remember and then there was a vegan um person who was like wait but then you're building a connection with an animal and then you're going to go and kill them to eat anyway so I think it's very (laughs) it's a very like divisive it's a weird way I don't know how you would go about trying to foster such a connection and care with an animal to kind of I guess elevate and uh, motivate people to move away from eating so much meat
2: to be honest I think that there are farmers who do care for the animals, and they uh, treat their animals very well. And for example, some farmers, they leave the calf with the cow when when the little calf is born for some time. But the normal practice in the industry is that the cow should be removed from the mother Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. And I think this is already very good. Or for example, I don't think we should see this issue as a black and white issue because also mm-hmm. here there are lots of um, organization for example have you ever heard of compassion in world farming this is an organization that uh, uh, tries to uh, encourage and also lobby government to introduce uh, better rules for animal welfare because i think there is a big difference in uh, eating an egg from a chicken that i spend all a hen, sorry, of, of, of all her life into a cage uh, from uh, a hen that has been free to uh, go out and yeah. eat the grass. And some of the farm animals that we consume, they never see the sunlight for yeah. their entire life. And I think it would make lots of consumers, and lots of people say that they would definitely choose the better, the meat, and the daily with a better animal welfare. But the problem is that the meat industry, of course, this raises costs mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, and the industry is concerned, like, oh, if we produce with better uh, standards, people won't buy as much uh, meat. And so our uh, profit will decrease. So it's a big issue.
1: Sometimes it's all about the numbers, isn't it? And rather than the welfare, which is kind of sad.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of farmers as well who do worry that, you know, they're going to lose their livelihood if, um, you know, with increased regulations and stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't know, it's it's not a black and white issue at all.
2: But you have to think that I was uh, doing some research with some colleagues in Spain, and I think this, um, it's from... For Spain, I can confidently say that 70% of the meat and dairy we eat, they eat in Spain, uh, comes from uh, intensive livestock farming, okay. and these um, livestock farming systems are owned by big uh, companies. Yeah. And so you're not, you are harming the, and these big companies sometimes they don't really ensure that. Uh, farmers are paid the right the fair amount of money that they deserve so we are seeing a shift from small farmers to bigger farms and these bigger farms are problematic and yeah but also i think that lots of people are shifting to plant-based food production for example uh i can't remember which uh, th- there was a story of this farmer in sweden which Uh, Used to have dairy cows, and now he grows oat for making oat milk. And his company is doing fantastically well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good to hear. That is great. It's good to
1: hear that there are alternatives for people out there who, if they don't want to continue in the in the meat industry, they perhaps can find a livelihood elsewhere. But then, so if we lead off of like environmental factors, um, some meat alternatives can be quite a controversial topic because of how it's said that the production of some like alternative meat met- like meat substances or some faux meat can uh, release the same amount of carbon emissions as like rearing a chicken or just pro- under producing uh, meat beef
0: there, there's a lot of controversy surrounding meat alternatives and whatnot and Roberta you told me that you did a study about it recently can you tell me a little bit more about that so we didn't look at the environmental impact of uh, meat
2: alternatives uh, because we don't have uh, the tool of calculating this yet but um, so I together with my colleagues at Queen Mary uh, we did an investigation into the uh, nutritional quality of uh, plant-based meat or meat alternatives and mm-hmm. it was yeah we we have some interesting finding to share J- just let me tell you a little bit about the methodology so mm-hmm. we uh, went out in supermarket uh, in big supermarket chain and try to collect uh, as many the data for as many products as possible plant-based meat so we extracted the nutrition information from this product so uh, salt, saturated fat, calories, and we put all this information into a database. So, what we want, what we try to do, what we did actually, we try to calculate the nutritional quality of these products. How we calculated this quality? We looked at the uh, salt content, saturated fat content, fiber. Um, so, we looked at positive and negative nutrients. And there are some yeah. algorithms. Uh, that allows the calculation of the overall nutritional score, the quality of these products. So we did the same for meat products, for animal meat products, for comparison. And what we found out was that meat alternatives of plant-based meat have a better nutrient profile because they are lower in saturated fat. Mm -hmm. uh, they are lower in total fats in energy density in calories uh, they're higher in protein sorry not they higher in protein they're higher in fiber what they sometimes we found the only problem that we found was that some categories of meat alternatives were a little bit too high in salt mm-hmm. so what we want to do we want to talk to um policy Policymakers, but first to manufacturers yeah. to convince them to reduce the amount of salt in their products. So, having said this, uh, we just want to, yeah, we, I think we can say that uh, it's okay to eat plant based meat, try to check with the products with lower uh, salt intake,
0: mm-hmm, salt yeah. content. Sorry. What's your personal opinion about meat alternatives?
2: I eat a lot of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're very good transition food. I eat a lot of them as well.
2: I mean, I love cooking, but sometimes I have a very busy life. I work long hours and sometimes I don't have time uh, for cooking. And uh, plus my partner uh, is flexitarian. And uh, I think he enjoys eating meat. And I think this product can give you that texture. And sometimes we can mm-hmm. make, I don't know, the other day I made um, meatball in, meatballs in uh, tomato sauce and he loved it. He goes, oh, this is like my grandma, but it was mm-hmm. just uh, soy meatballs. It was just fantastic. And uh, I, think, I think they're very convenient. They're very mm-hmm. useful uh, for transitioning. And I think it's okay mm-hmm. to eat them. Two three times a week. It's, as I said, Like try to look for um, the one with uh, lower Low. salt intake, yes. Yeah. Uh, but everyone is different. Some people say, no, I don't like these products. And some people say, oh, I find these products fantastic. And they are all so different because uh, you have products uh, which mimic meat um, and they're made of texturized uh, soy or pea protein so these are mm-hmm. the newer generation meat alternatives. And you have the old one, like bean burgers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think meat bean burgers, I think you can, as long as they don't contain lots of uh, salt, you can safely eat them and you can That's put sweet. them in a burger. It's, it's quite, uh, they're quite tasty. Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess those those are like your your top tips for transitioning, perhaps, um, using meat alternatives and uh, and trying flexitarian for a little bit.
2: Well, my top tips I would I would not start the list with meat alternatives. Okay. The, <laughs> my first tip will would be to start gradually. Try to do this gradually, and if you are. Giving up meat even one day a week, you're doing a huge favor to yourself, to the humanity, and to the animals, uh, Mm -hmm. to the planet. It's it's really important that everyone understands that every little effort counts. Um, And some people, for example, say, "Oh, I want to be vegan one day a week." Some people say, "I want to be flexitarian, eating meat only at the weekend." Some people say, "Uh, "I want to be vegetarian, but one day a week I want to eat meat." So it's that try to say that target for yourself. I think that would work. It worked for me, but uh, everyone is different and everyone has to find uh, a comfortable, but not too comfortable, target. Mm -hmm. The second tip would be to cook more. Uh, So I say that I'm very busy, but I try to do, cook big batches of food. So I do soups and uh, stews and try to cook lots of healthy food in advance so I planned my week for example uh, before lockdown I was cooking on Sunday so every day I was planning my meals I had all my meals planned for the week and uh, uh, I could follow a healthy diet and also vegan diet because I was kind of deciding uh, what to put into my meals and you can make it delicious there is a very nice website called Default Veg that has got thousands of recipes from all around the world they're all vegan and vegetarian I think yeah I think it's uh, and also try to not stay too much in your culture because I think if I wanted to vegan veganize all Italian foods I wouldn't be so happy about and excited about vegan foods as I am today so for example uh, I love Asian food I think Asian food is fantastic and all the ingredients that come from that part of the world they're just so delicious mm-hmm. and uh, Yeah, so try to start from east and And go to west very (laughs) gradually. Go to west very gradually. (laughs) And uh, yeah, try to do easy swaps. So plant-based milk, it's a very easy one. Or meat alternative, it's another very easy swap. And yeah, try to not... It's Actually, a healthy diet is very easy. Try to eat a whole food diet try to cook try to enjoy food and uh yeah don't don't look too much at instagram
1: (laughs) i
0: i definitely agree with that
1: last one (laughs) that's great advice no we'll have a look at the website as well um i think i think i should definitely look into um changing my diet into a more palm based one up you know after today it's definitely very eye-opening and i've tried the batch cooking as well it's very very helpful especially if you're a busy person
0: and you can save so much money yeah okay thank you so much for talking with us roberta i Really liked this topic. I loved everything that we talked about. The animal welfare is not something that I particularly paid attention to before, but it's really helped open my eyes. I'm happy that you enjoyed it. And uh, that yeah, I hope
2: people who would listen to this podcast will think the same.
0: Of course.
1: Thank you so much. We enjoyed having you here today. And thank you everyone to listening for listening to this episode of The Growth Medium. Uh, be sure to rate and review this podcast and check out all the information about these diets we'll have ready for you on Instagram, at The Growth Medium and on our website. We'll also um, link any websites Roberta has mentioned here today in case you want to have a look at it. Um, but yeah, that's it from me.
0: Yeah, I know we said don't follow don't look at instagram but look at us <laughs> look at us <our laughs> sorry, <stream>. sorry. <laughs> but advertising look at instagram yeah. but not only the good things and yes if you're interested in more information again all the sources will be in the show notes so you can make your own educated decisions we'll see you guys next week.